Hello everybody and welcome to the Nerd Cut, our maiden episode in this podcast journey of love. This is a new podcast adventure and we are here. Guys, introduce yourselves. Uh, the name's Christian and I'm more of a sci-fi nerd than a comic book nerd. That's what uh, Andrew and Johnny are going to cover that base, but uh, I'll try and do my best to chime in when I can. There's a bit of wit here and there. A lot of wit. A lot of wit, if you, if you say so. Yeah, and knowledge. Seriously, mm-hmm. seriously knowledgeable guy. Um, Physicist as well, so I can ch- chip, you know, chip in with a bit of that. Yeah, exactly. So you're a, general, you're a genuine scientist? In so much as a lab technician is a genuine scientist. I, so in my I, world it is. You're basically is. Brian Cox, is what I heard. <laughs> I wish I was, yeah. Just yeah. do something yeah. wonderful and amazing physics. Amazing. And uh, this sultry voice is coming from Andrew Searle. Um, I am definitely more of a comic book nerd, as Krishna said. But I, uh, I think I have a quite different perspective to joining Krishna on quite a few things we're going to talk about. So it could be, could be quite interesting. Hashtag fascism. No, I'm, I'm kidding. Um, I, yeah, so my name is Johnny Maunders. I don't know if I said that earlier, but I am into comics as... Andrew referenced and yeah a, a kind of unique perspective and I love films etc so guys what why did we start this podcast let's tell our listeners because we just love talking and talking and talking and talking about nerd stuff just out and about even when we're walking down the shore of Brighton we'll be talking about Marvel and this and everything else and yeah got to hone it into a podcast might as well record it. Get all those, mm, exactly. all those sweet gems down onto, onto the internet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. To be fair, we talked so much, we could probably have already done like two seasons worth. <laughs> it feels like we have, <laughs> to be honest. Yeah. It's been a bit of a struggle to try and keep, keep some of our thoughts back for the actual podcast when we've been, uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. we've been progressing through the planning for this, for this podcast. We've had to stop ourselves several times to, uh, bef- so we don't blow our load too soon, shall we say. We can blow it all tonight. Mm-hmm. So what? So what can our listeners expect in the weeks ahead from this podcast? Just chatting about different nerdy things, mm-hmm. topics, kind of things like favourite characters, favourite ideas, but also kind of looking at overall questions that cover multiple nerdy domains um, mm-hmm. and trying to the tie them questions. into big questions. Is that the big questions that you need answering in your mm-hmm. life? Um, so, yeah, it's going to be not, a, a not bit where of a did mix. the universe come from, but so, you know, what is the best MCU film? Those are the key questions that we want. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. not where not where did the universe come from, but where is the Marvel Cinematic Universe going? Exactly. And should the DC expanded universe be going? Um, <laughs> those important questions. Those are the important questions. So yeah. we should order order the whole MCU. That'd be interesting. Order it. Order it from where? Put every every single from worst to best every film. Oh every goodness! Oh, I thought you meant just like ordering it like on Amazon alphabetically <laughs> or something. <laughs> I think we've got like more the spices, fun, more fun, uh, more fun things than ordering the MCU alphabetically. <laughs> Coming up, that, got Disney Plus all right. That could be the OCD spin-off. Mm. The <laughs> I've got a friend who's got OCD, so he could sort us out for that. Good. I have minor OCD, so I can maybe contribute. <laughs> I just have anxiety. Christian Lieberman, 2021. 
So, as you know, today we are doing all things Star Wars because this episode is releasing on which day, guys? May the 4th. May the 4th be with you. Indeed. Exactly. So we thought we'd start with a Star Wars special, all things Star Wars. So before we kick off, when did we first watch Star Wars and how did we get into it? Who wants to start? Christian. Me? Uh, um, if memory serves, it was when I was about three and my uncle gave me the videos of VHSs of the original trilogy, which at the time I thought were legit, but in hindsight I think they were dodgy knockoffs. But, um, <laughs> to, be fair, to be fair, all videos that you get as a kid had that sort of like thing attached. Yeah. if they have like a white sticky label on them. That yes, says that's the are. ones. Those are the ones. Yeah, and I watched them over and over again, and they just—I don't remember a specific moment when they became my favorite film or when they really triggered something in me. But ever since, I've been obsessed with Star Wars, and I've been obsessed with anything space-related. Hence, why I love sci-fi and physics. It all stems from Star Wars. What doesn't? What doesn't? That's I used to have a poster in my room actually said, everything I need to know about life I learned from Star Wars. That's a great quote. <laughs> great quote. I don't think it's actually true, but I, I think until you get to adulting. I learned, to the, I learned the odds of surviving an asteroid field, so just saying. That's very important, yeah. Mm-hmm. Very important. I think I... Uh, first started watching Star Wars with Christian actually in my, I was a bit of a late starter um, date night we, we'd moved on exactly yeah our first date it was um, no um, it was post VHS days it was definitely either DVD or or just even on a computer if you can imagine such a thing um, I don't think it was quite school. Blu-ray days no it definitely wasn't Blu-ray it wasn't that high quality but um, yeah so I think I was about 14 and I remember spending the first few times I watched with Christian trying to work out a difference between Luke and Anakin Skywalker. Um, <laughs> luckily, by now, I've just about worked it out. Um, but yeah, Christian was a very good mentor in uh, in uh, giving, me, giving me Obi-Wan-like mentorship. In <laughs> Were you in a good Padawan? I'm not sure I was, no. Um, I also remember at some point trying to write a... Inspired by Christian again, trying to write a little a short novel kind of thing. And the opening scene had a little green dude with pointy ears who was looking at a blue hologram. I had no idea where I could possibly have got the inspiration from, but um, I think Christian very delicately pointed out that it may have been somewhat related or connected to Star Wars. So, I don't see any relation. Yeah. Don't see. Um, yeah, that's my, uh, he was, that's my that's my training in, in Star Wars. And can I just say he was a good Padawan up until the point he started killing all the younglings? That mm. was a big <laughs> that was a big turning point, wasn't it? In our in our that friendship, that was a big turning point. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, and I well, say well, that was that was school policy. <laughs> <laughs> that since since uh, since I'd say since leaving school, really. So what, like eight or nine years ago? Um, I've become a lot more interested in the kind of expanded universe side of Star Wars. So in all the books and comics and games and things like that that's kind of been where I've my education, my Star Wars education has has, has progressed into. Um, which has been really interesting because there's so many cool well there's so many bad stories but there's also so many cool stories that are very underused in the Star Wars universe um, oh definitely especially since Disney have taken over there's some quite interesting stuff and obviously all that you can kind of tap into all the legends that are there mm. as well so yeah plenty of plenty of stuff to keep me going the good and bad video games as well mm, indeed it's quite a mm-hmm. that's true how I about think, you Johnny I think if I think back 
The first time I watched a Star Wars film was Phantom Menace at a like holiday like what are those things like kids club things when mm. your parents are working and they have to take you to one of these kids clubs. Yeah. And actually funnily enough, it was at uh, the sports centre at school. Oh really? Um, <laughs> I should have known that I would have spent a lot more time there in later life. And yeah, and I remember watching Phantom Menace and was annoyed because a lot of the kids didn't really know what was going on, which is eating biscuits. And I was actually into it. And it was too quiet. The TV was on too quiet for me to hear most of it. But I was really fascinated by it. And then I remember watching it again on, getting it on VHS and watching it again and then getting um, episode two on VHS and then going to see Revenge of the Sith at the cinema and like loving it. Yeah. And then just ever since then, it's like, um, I, can't, I, I wouldn't say I'd had like love hate, but it's one of those things that's like simmered over the years, if that makes sense. Mm. And I saw in between episode two and episode three, I watched all the originals. I think, I think someone in the family must have had them on video or DVD. And um, yeah, so it's been quite an enjoyable experience going back and sort of rediscovering this stuff and sort of reconnecting with my childhood. Um, so you, you were introduced to the prequels before you watched the sequ- the uh, original trilogy, then? It's not how uh, the fir- the first two, the first fir- two, yeah, first two prequels before mm-hmm. I watched the original trilogy. Mm. It's quite an unusual way to come to it. Much most people, have yeah, come but just, the other way. I think I think deliberate. If it was, if I was sort of a conscious, put like, if I wasn't sort of a six year old, yeah, I would have, course, yeah, I yeah. would have probably done it sort of well, sort of deliberately. But I think when I first watched Phantom Menace, I had even no idea. I just thought I thought there was a thing called Star Wars. I, like, I didn't know anything <laughs> other than that. The Star Wars. Yeah, I, I assumed it was just like one film, <laughs> and it, yeah, it just had all these bits in it. Um, but yeah, so as part of this, we did a bit of a sort of film marathon, didn't we? Research. We, mm-hmm. Yeah. We yeah we we researched and reviewed, and so one of the questions that I have got to like kick us off with this is. We watched in sort of chronological order, didn't we? Mm-hmm. Um, and having now just watched the original trilogy, do you think the chronological order is the way to go? Or do you think people should start with the originals first? It's a good question. I I, th- I think Johnny and I probably have a different opinion on this, but I, I personally think that chronological worked really well. I was. I. I don't think I've ever watched. Um, watched through, if that makes sense. I've watched like in. I've watched each trilogy in its own right before. Um, so I think this is the first time I've kind of properly gone through it. And um, yeah, I think I. I definitely found more things or more storylines or arcs, I suppose, that that tied up that I hadn't quite clocked before. Um, which may also been helped by the fact that there's Rogue One there to kind of tie things. I see it together, but yeah, I, I I thought it was quite a good way of doing it, um, and I think there's been enough time, I suppose. Also, that's helped that there's been enough time since the sequel, so since the prequels came out, that um, it feels quite kind of, I'd say probably the the way that most people would end up watching Star Wars now, if you were starting completely afresh, would be to start with Phantom Menace. Um, I can't imagine many people, unless you're introduced by someone who wanted to show you in different order, would start with A New Hope. That's my opinion. Mm-hmm. I'd say my opinion of it when in the rare occasion where someone's said what order should they watch them in and they haven't watched them before 
is if they don't know about the big twist at the end of Empire, then start with the original and then go back to the prequels. But if you know that, or if you're just rewatching them, I think yeah, I think it does work better. Or personally, think I prefer would prefer to watch them in in chronological order. I love the way you're. I love the way you're saving our listeners already from spoilers. <laughs> <laughs> just in case. It's only been like thirty yeah, years. A, <laughs> Forty years. 40 yeah. years of- <laughs> Spoiler ban is never lifted. Definitely. Especially with Star Wars. <laughs> yeah, I, I've got kind of like mixed feelings on it in the sense that I think I think it worked well. And actually I think it makes I think I think the prequels work better, actually, as genuine prequels like that. Mm-hmm. Like as as the beginning. And in some ways it allowed me to enjoy them more. But at the same time on the on the reverse side, I kind of feel it like slightly robs the original trilogy of its sort of significance because then they're just sequels as opposed to originals yeah and i think we'll get into this later but when i was when i was watching them i was trying to like watch it almost twice once as a sequel and then once as watching it in 1977 like i you know didn't know what to expect and i think yeah so I, I, I think I don't. I don't think, in my personal view, I don't think there's a right answer, because I think there's there's advantages and drawbacks from any way, from whichever way you watch it. Um, there's that weird. Um, was it called? Is it called the Machete Order? That I've never given a go. Was it like I think you watch four, five, then you go back and watch one, two, three, yeah. and then you go and watch six. That seems very strange. Mm. Yeah. I don't get that. We should probably also point out at this point that we um we are saving um all purely Disney or the newer the sequels and the Mandalorian for a different episode so that we can make sure we give it the just time and attention that they deserve. <laughs> so we will yeah. only be covering kind of everything from Phantom Menace up to Return of the Jedi in this episode. Is that including yeah. the uh spin-offs, the uh yeah. Solo and Rogue One, yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. Correct. Yeah, I think I think we'll have a separate episode for the for the sequels and a separate episode for Mandalorian. And I'm looking Maybe. forward to hearing Christian's thoughts on the mm. on the sequels. I just need one whole Intense. episode on one particular <laughs> yeah. ep- uh, film. Can, can we have a week off that week, Johnny? We just Christian. <laughs> Christian's just so rant <laughs> at the. Uh, I could do that. Could do that. An, an audience with Christian Lieber. <laughs> <laughs> the fireside chat. I need some Valium to calm me down there. The last Lieberman. Great. Hmm. <laughs> okay, don't own a t-shirt of that one. <laughs> yeah, sure, sure. It's your bedspread, isn't it? <laughs> I love it, really. I love it. Right, should we get into this? Into this mother. Let's do it, as they say. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Let's let's start with episode one. Thoughts, opinions, feelings. Christian, let's start with you. I. It was the first one I saw in the cinema when how old was it? must have been about was it 99 so 6 must have been 6 and 56 56 yeah that's probably close to it. <laughs> um but rewatching it recently I I still have I still love the Phantom Menace I've got to say I just love I love the look I love the story and as a youngster I didn't I wasn't kind of put off I know some people seem to think that the whole politics um, subplot would uh, bore some people, but I don't remember ever being put off by that. Um, loved 
Darth Maul, loved seeing young Obi-Wan, Qui-Gon, just, I don't know, it's, it's just great fun, and, and I loved Jar Jar when he came, <laughs> at that age as well, and I still do, so, yeah, I, I still, I love Phantom Menace, and I probably always will, it's always great fun, I enjoy watching it every time, and the pod race, of course, oh, mm, brilliant, superb, Absolutely. it's just so, just so creative, just, one thing I think the sequels lacked that Phantom Menace does have is just so much imagination and creativity. Just all these different planets they go to, Naboo, Tatooine, Coruscant. It's just, it's like a swashbuckling space opera, the way it's meant to be done. Which is probably my favourite kind of sci-fi. So, yeah, I love it. Definitely opens things up, doesn't it, in terms of the, the kind of diversity of characters and places that you get to you get to mm-hmm. see. Which, um, yeah. Definitely. Makes difference. And that's very like that's kind of what Star Wars is now, isn't it? It's just such a wide berth of different mm-hmm. different things. So yeah, absolutely. And what did you give it a score for that film question? Um, I can't remember what I put down for it now, but well, more importantly, do you think your score? Maybe that's how we could do it. Do you think your score changed when you watched any of these films recently? Maybe that's a better way of doing it for each film. Possibly for the originals, but maybe because the prequels just feel fresher in my mind. I don't. I've always had quite a good feeling about where I put them. So, Phantom Menace, I'd say eight. That's what I think it's an eight out of ten. Good, good score. What about you, Johnny? Yeah, it's it's held held up a lot better than I thought it would. Um, I've seen it several times over the years, and. I I had a feeling that I wouldn't like it that much when I rewatched it. Mostly because I think when I first watched it, it was like it was Star Wars, it was the first time I experienced it and it was sort of magical and all that. And I was worried that that would sort of cloud it and I'd come back to it and think, oh God, it's not that great. Particularly like, as sort of Christian's reference, most of the reviews have been sort of, have always been sort of kind of lukewarm. Um and that they there and there's some great there's Christian references there's some great bits and I, I love Hugh McGregor as Obi-Wan I love Liam Neeson as Qui-Gon um, there are there, I'm not so keen on Jar Jar as Christian is I do find him a bit annoying um, and also the Jar Jar thing is a sort of segue to the slightly less savoury things when I rewatch. Phantom Menace is the sort of political and racial sort of stereotypes um, of yeah of Jar Jar Watto Watto and also New Gunray as well Um, I think Watto is the worst just because it's more than because at least with like Gunray literally it's just a voice with Watto it's like everything like he is even being a sort of slave dealer is a reference to sort of the historical sort of theories of Jews being slave dealers and his nose and everything. That's, I found that quite uneasy watching that back. Um, and I'm surprised that even in the 90s that wasn't sort of highlighted more before the film even got out. Um, Maybe being targeted as more of a kind of a children's film, it kind of just fell under the radar. Yeah, perhaps, perhaps. But what's interesting is that I've when I first noticed it and I looked it up, I thought that 
I thought that there wouldn't be any reference to it at the time and that it would be, you know, people now talking about it often where we have, you know, the sort of, I guess, the accusations of woke, etc. But what's interesting is actually there was a lot of criticism of it at the time from uh, from Jewish activists, so that which is quite interesting. Equally with, with Jar Jar as well, who sort of depicted in quite a sort of stereotypical sort of Jamaican Caribbean way at times. Um, which is, I don't want to put that on a, a downer on everything because it is, it is a good film and it's enjoyable. It's really enjoyable. It's really fun. And for me, being the first Star Wars film I saw, that's brilliant and it's still fun. It still holds up. <laughs> um, I think I find young Anakin a bit annoying at times. Um, yeah, I can agree with that. And he does sort of almost often feel like a generic kid in a movie of that period if that makes sense if if you look at like 80s and 90s films like kids in sci-fi films and sort of adventure films basically could be the same people like the same actor even if they're like hundreds of different actors and i kind of feel like he is a bit like that as well um there wasn't much kind of nuance in their performances they'd always be the same character in pretty much anything any film they were in I was just yeah. thinking of I was just thinking of Jingle All the Way with Jake Lloyd now as well. But I kind of feel like all those like child actors you could just swap them out and it wouldn't it wouldn't make any difference. Um, mm. But yeah, no, I I, I I would I gave it a seven, and it as I said it held up a lot better than I expected it to. Andrew, well, I mean I haven't got anything majorly different to add on to Phantom Menace, um, and I I also gave it a seven, and I think my overarching thing with the all of the prequels just because it kind of a lot of my thoughts are around this idea is that i felt like the kind of updated technology they had available to them at the time in comparison to when they made the original films maybe got in the way of the story a little bit in that they were able to be more flashy and kind of show off things in a just a very kind of cgi kind of way um that maybe either i don't say that necessarily took away from the story but it just maybe when they're making the film they could rely on that a bit more if that makes sense and i felt definitely in the phantom menace that that i mean obviously it's beautiful it sets a really cool scene and it if you just kind of look at the visuals of it it looks great but i felt that if you kind of if you if you didn't have those visuals and you were just looking at the story on its own i'm not sure it necessarily holds up closely at all to the originals so that was my thought on phantom menace and kind of the prequels in general um Attack of the Clones, I like mainly because it leads into the Clone Wars, which I I love the Clone Wars TV shows. Um, and I also really like seeing Anakin. I think Anakin is was done in such a perfect way in terms of setting him up to be... Are we allowed to spoil who he becomes? Um, <laughs> Wait, what? Who does yeah. he become? <laughs> um, so like Christian was saying earlier about kind of obviously the spoiler at the end of number five... Um, no one knows about that spoiler. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So, so I think if you, even if you, if you, if you have no idea that was going to happen, and you just followed the story along from the beginning, I think that Anakin is such a, a great character to, to kind of get behind, and and you you very like. Relatable character, someone that kind of is constantly just trying to. Work his way in the world. I know it gets a bit soppy and, whatever and whatever's happening, but, you can. I think all of his actions make sense 
Um, and I think that sometimes in Star Wars and just in films in general, but particularly in Star Wars, the characters that don't make sense um, are the ones that don't make decisions that people would normally make. I think that's probably quite a good way of approaching it. So I, I love Anakin. I think he's really cool. Um, and so yeah, Attack of the Clones is a really good film for me. I better say mainly because it sets up the Clone Wars, which is <laughs> the the sweet deal. And we could we could have been a whole another podcast talking about the Clone Wars. But I was going to say actually we need to do as well as Mandalorian and sequels. Yeah. Do one on like Clone Wars and Rebels and stuff. Yeah, I think so. So yeah, that that was my thoughts on Attack of the Clones. What what score? Um, I gave that an eight. Um, so but, seven and an eight, okay. But I think that's saying mainly prejudiced by where it goes rather than the actual film itself. Mm. And also, I mean, we we got to talk about no. it at some point, but sorry, I'll just say one more sorry. thing. Um, the I'm sure we will do a whole episode at some point on music, but the music in Attack of the Clones is amazing. The the point mm. when Anakin uh, turns, should we say? Like that is just when he finds his mum. Yeah. It's, mm-hmm. it's just such a perfect there's so many perfect kind of uses of music in that film but um, I'd say oh, that John Williams just knocks it out of the park with the, with the uh, prequels really yeah absolutely does. but I think Attack of the Clones is probably the best on its own example of just how you can use music to um, fuel ideas that going forward show emotion um, and just completely support the film without detracting anything from it like the the soundtrack you can listen to on its own but it, it really gives something to the film so yeah that, that's mm-hmm. the only thing I'd say sorry Karen, Johnny go for it yeah again like Phantom Menace I Phantom Menace I think it Attack of the Clones holds up a lot better than I thought it would and sort of as Andrew referenced I because of all the backlash against Hayden Christensen I thought while well, watching it back it was, it's going to be awful like his acting is going to be awful and actually it wasn't and I think as again, as Angie sort of referenced, the characterization and arc and development is really good. But the things I don't like about the film are slightly linked to that. In is the rom romantic element of it. There's just for me, it's just way too overegged and way too much of it. And it's so a lot of it doesn't add anything to it. It's kind of repetitive sometimes. Also related to that, this is a slight like side note, sort of jokey note. He always looks really creepy when he's talking to Padme, <laughs> um, and I like, and then not even like, not even like nice creepy. It's like he might rape you any minute right now, um, kind of thing, mm. um, which is I, I always found a little bit jarring. Well, I always found it a bit jarring when I when I rewatched it because I kind of felt like, okay, that's a bit weird. A quick, quick, um, quick insert to that. Do you not think that again, to, from my point of view, it kind of makes sense that he'd be completely creepy and weird given his upbringing hasn't been allowed to explore yeah, but, but she doesn't also, she, but she never references it or reacts to it sure True, but, yeah. but she is also the person that was kind of egging him on when he was like 10 so i i, I well, that, i'm not in, that's in, true but i kind of feel like if it was i kind of feel like if it was deliberate she would react to it in some way sure. whereas i kind of feel mm-hmm. like because and he doesn't and it's and it's sometimes he's not talking creepy but he'll have a creepy facial expression yeah like he's like leering, and like then then I'm like, well, is that deliberate or not? Because he's actually saying something kind of benign, but he's leering at her like she's got her tits out in a nightclub, um, and I find that a bit weird. So I, I I think I feel like if it is deliberate, she's got to react to it in some way, like in a good way or in a bad way, but she's got to react to it. Because mm-hmm. I feel like, to for me, I'm left thinking it probably isn't deliberate. 
Um, I yeah. don't know. But again, is that I, I'm not sure if that's Hayden Christensen's fault or whether that's writing or direction. Editing, yeah. But but like as I said, I, again, I don't want to put a damper on it because again, it holds up really well. And you know, it's uh, I think it's a good film, and I I love a bit of I love me some Christopher Lee. So Dooku, <laughs> I love. I wish we had more Dooku to be honest. Yeah. In in the uh, prequels, um, and also we get a bit of we get a bit of Django as well. Oh, Django. Um. And, and the clones as well. Yeah, and give me more of that. I'd love it. So yeah, I think I think I gave it a seven. I nearly gave it a six because of all the romance stuff and the creep stuff. But I, I was one over in the end to give it a seven. Christian, I'll just say about Dooku and uh, if you the Clone Wars, you know, get plenty more Dooku, plenty more, plenty more of those characters, plenty more Grievous, plenty more clones. Yeah, but not Christopher um, Lee. Not Christopher Lee, although he was, he did the, the voice of Dooku in the film that kicked off the series. But then that's a no. We haven't actually. We didn't watch that. Maybe we should watch that. Have you watched anything? Um, <laughs> but um, should we watch the clone? TV adverts for Star Wars toys. <laughs> Hasbro. Um, I was talking about um, Hayden Christensen. There's, um, if I'm allowed to uh, endorse other videos on uh, YouTube, there's a Star Wars Theory, one of the biggest um, channels on YouTube. Uh, Star Wars channels on YouTube, not the biggest. Um, he does a video about how Hayden Christensen plays Anakin perfectly, and there's, if you look closely, all the uh, some of the fa- I know you say some of the facial expressions are a bit creepy, but some of them, particularly in Revenge of the Sith, um, he just he plays he does play it really well in a in, in a way, just at, at a glance, it can look bad, but if you really look at it, I think there's there's a lot there that to uh, show just all the thoughts going through his head and the weird upbringing he's had from a slave until the age of nine, and then forced to repress any kind of desires through adolescence. Yeah, it's very. Just got to imagine what it's like as a kid and what he had, what he went through through his life up to the age of twenty or twenty. 22, 23 when he uh, infringes the Sith. But yeah, anyway, sorry. Attack of the Clones. Um, don't like it as much as The Phantom Menace. Um, like you say, I, some of the romantic kind of half of the film, it's a bit badly written, shall we say. Uh, dialogue's not great. Um, could have been done better. And like you say, I think Padme maybe falls in love with him a little too quickly, given his the weird way he interacts with her maybe it could have been handled differently given her more you know the more reason to fall for one another but i sometimes wish um this was that attack of the guns was renamed obi-wan investigates because that half of the film is just superb just obi-wan going off and investigating going to camino fighting Django, going off to genosis and then the epic fight at the end the battle on genosis is that blew my mind at the age of it's like batman yeah, <laughs> like an eighties Batman, exactly theme tune. And more, although I think um, Ewan McGregor, you know, hair and facial hair is probably the low point in the prequels. Personally, no really like the, Yeah, little <laughs> deal or no deal. <laughs> um, but yeah, a seven. I give that a seven. So below Phantom Menace for me. Revenge of the Sith, Andrew. So this. Uh, Again, this may be coming at it from watching it in this order when I first watched it. I knew of Darth Vader. I like I knew of him as a character in Star Wars at some point. And I say I kind of vaguely would worked out at the point who Anakin and Luke were separately. But 
to me, watching it this way and seeing Anakin turn into Darth Vader was so cool. I I, I love this film purely for the last like half an hour. Um, and then the first time I remember watching it and realizing what was happening, I was like, oh, wow. So for, it's interesting that you kind of, Christian, were talking about like the spoiler end of five, where end of Empire, because to me, this is the, this is the kind of, the point for me as someone who came at it fresh from the prequels, um, was like, wow, this is like, kind of, everything clicked into place at that point. Um, and I wonder if that would have been different if I'd known, if I'd kind of already known the originals and, and this was just kind of feeding up into that. That might have been different, but it was, yeah, it was amazing. Um, and again, John Williams. What can I say? So I gave this one a eight and a half. Could have been a bit higher. Maybe it may be a bit, a bit harsh, but uh, yeah, I just, just it, I, I, I honestly can't even remember really what I felt for most of the film other than the last half an hour. And I can just... So it's so so pitched that that watching that watching that for the first time and I can really remember, um, just being like wow okay, now I know I want to know what, what how this goes now like it it finishes off the trilogy so well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so that's yeah, that's kind of what I really have to say on. Ben and Sith. That's all you need to say. That's all yeah. you need to say. I also it was the only one I ever had a DVD of. I don't know why I had just one DVD of Return of the Sith and no other Star Wars film, but I had it. Same. It's Return of the Sith. What's Return of the Sith? Sorry. <laughs> Revenge of the Sith. Apologies. I, it's still I the only Star Wars DVD I have. Is it? Yeah, yeah. so um, I don't actually know if I still got it, but I had it as when I was like 16, 17. Um, yeah, just... Such a great film. Great film. Mm -hmm. Johnny? Yeah, it was the first Star Wars film I saw in the cinema. Um, and I loved it, really enjoyed it. Um, and also by that time, I I was starting to appreciate sort of darker tones in things. So I really appreciated Anakin turning, basically. I, I, I knew it was coming because I'd seen the originals by that point. So I, did, I didn't, I didn't, I knew going into it that, and particularly with the, the way Attack of the Clones left off, I was pretty certain that he would become Vader in this in that film. But oh sorry, I ruined I ruined a spoiler. But yeah. <laughs> um sorry guys. Um so I wasn't I wasn't sort of shocked by that, but I love the way they did it. And I love they didn't rush it and they built it quite slowly and it didn't feel it felt natural. It didn't feel like it didn't feel rushed or it didn't feel too deliberate. I thought it, I thought it was really handled really well, and I, again, I really quite like the dark sort of tone of it. Um, and I remember as a kid watching it, going mad about General Grievous. Like I just bloody loved him, and it was just mad and incredible. And in some ways, him as a character is like pretty much all that Star Wars is about, and actually also kind of embodies how the like the good things about the prequels in the sense that adding something that's just really cool and isn't sort of a rehash of something that's already been um, a sort of, a, you know, a, a unique character that's really interesting. Um, so, yeah, and I, I've given it an eight. Um, my Definitely my favourite of the prequels. Interesting. Christian. I, th I think a lot of people would agree with you there. Um, yeah, I'd say it's definitely my favourite as well. Probably same as Andrew, eight and a half out of ten most likely um, 
and it just brings to an end that's one of the, I think, probably the unsung heroes of the prequel, ironically. Um, it's Palpatine, and his story is just so amazingly well done, and Ian McDermott um, playing him did a superb job, and it's so lucky that he was uh, a quite a young actor playing the Emperor in Return of the Jedi, and then he was able to come back and play the same character in these and do it so well. Um, and Andrew pointed out the um, soundtrack. Was it called um, Battle of the Heroes, I think, that plays during the climax fight at the end? Which is just an emotional roller coaster. I should have mentioned Jewel of the Fates from Phantom Menace is my top song from the Star Wars soundtracks so, yeah, overall. Um, but yeah, Revenge of the Sith was, like you say, the darker tone just. It's brought it just yeah it just brought it to a close and it was just such a weird kind of like a unprecedented that a trilogy like a final film which at that time was the final Star Wars film would have such a bleak yet hopeful end to it with the um the fall of Anakin and then the uh, a new hope at the end was Luke is left with his um, uncle and aunt and they look out on the twin sunsets that's yeah it's just it just. I thought you were going to cry there. Must be the image. I was about to um, sing the music over the top of it. <laughs> <laughs> I should point out um, the prequels are just a treasure trove for memes. I mean, they are just the place to go for. And hello there from Revenge of the Sith. What about the droid attack on the Wookiees? It's just, oh, just Wait, what was the What was the line that I really loved in Attack of the Clones? Jedi business. Go back to your dreams. <laughs> Great. Okay, so what about the original trilogy? Are we there yet? Actually, no. Where, where are, are we, we doing the there? spin-offs? What about um, yeah, where, what what about order Solo? Are we there? Yeah, that's Solo. Let's go to Solo. I'll, I'll kick us off with Solo because mm -hmm. I, I, so I think these uh, these Star Wars stories, the two Star Wars stories we've got, I think they both serve very different purposes, and I think Solo is the best example or that kind of classic example of a film that you absolutely do not need to have at all. You can just it doesn't need to be there, but it just does a great job of just giving you extra, extra, extra Star Wars, and I think that's that's the kind of the purpose it serves of just giving you more stuff without necessarily having to give you anything that's huge or any sort of crazy plot twists or. Um, so yeah, I think it's, it's, it serves that purpose really, really well, um, of just giving you more stuff and well done. A good combination this time of um, good visuals. Kind of updated visuals with good story. Um, it's great seeing Lando and Solo together in a really good way. I think Donald Glover is a really good Lando. But yeah, I think it's a great. I, I get to give that one an eight, which is pretty solid, I think. For I thought I almost sounded like a backhanded compliment initially. What thing? It's the way you were saying it's. Yeah. Uh, it's a perfect example of. Just it will be. Stuff. Will it will be when I give him my thoughts. <laughs> well, I, th I think it is. I mean, do you not agree that it's kind of like a? It, it, oh yeah, it's, it's, it's not. It wasn't a necessity. Yeah, definitely not. But but it, but it fit, it obviously tried. It wasn't trying to be a necessity. It just was trying to give you like a Star Wars story. Um, yeah. Just just like many yeah. of the books and the comics are, I suppose. Purpose, yeah, it just it just gives you more stuff to mm -hmm. to watch, and I think it does that really well. So a good example of what hopefully they'll do more of in the future. Mm-hmm. Like I I I just think I solo I. Was great fun 
that's my summation of it. It was <clears throat> a decent story, nothing nothing wrong with it, and the performances were, I thought, were really good, actually. I thought um, Alden Ehrenreich did a really good job of playing a young Han Solo, but kind of making it his own. He didn't just try and do some corny impression of Harrison Ford. Um, I remember seeing at the time people saying, oh, this guy should play him, and then posting a clip of this guy, I can't, I can't remember who it was, but doing this very good impression of Harrison Ford, but I thought that would have been just very cheesy, just a Harrison Ford impression. So I thought Alden did a very good job of making his own. You can see that um, Will swagger Ferrell. he's got in his... Huh? Will Ferrell. Will Because he could do an amazing Harrison Ford impression. I think I've seen that. <laughs> There's one moment I think of when I... What are we the, doing? <laughs> you see Mark Hamill's impression of him. That's great as well. Yeah. Um... There's a moment when, just when they're about to take the job from um, Dryden Voss and Han kind of like mentions they've got the pilot and then he points to himself and kind of gives a really cheeky grin and I thought that's just, that just encapsulates yeah. Solo so well. So yeah, I think he did a really good job. Like you say, Donald Glover did a very good job as well. Although his was more kind of like a straight impression of um, Billy D. Williams. Absolutely. What do you think of yeah, um, L three, Christian? I initially I was fine with her. Um, it was only in this past viewing of the film that I actually started to find her a little bit irritating. Um, where she just struts about, like doesn't have like much robotic motion at all. She obviously um, it was um, uh, Phoebe. It's a Phoebe Waller Bridge, isn't it? Yeah. Mm. Um, in one of those suits and CGI put over. And it just, there's just no mo, no robotic. All the, like your C3PO, all these other um, droids from the Star Wars universe, they move very clearly, artificially. Um, and she just wanders around as if she's just another living being. So it just feels a little bit out of place in that way. Um, I can I can, I can abide that character, but she, uh, spoiler alert, she doesn't make it through to the end of the film, so. Am I allowed to give that spoiler? Well, you've done it now, Christian, so there's no going nah. back. I can cut it out later. Yeah, I suppose... Just, just bleep me over. She She's trying to fill that role, I suppose, of being the the droid kind of comedy element, isn't she? But she doesn't really we're provide gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna, comedy. Yeah. We're going to reach the pinnacle of comedy droid in the next film, so... Yeah, exactly. So, um, yeah. I, th- I, think that's what, I think that's what she's... Maybe why I don't think she works mm. that well is because she, the ro- the typical role in Star Wars that she's potentially there to try and fill, she doesn't really do, which is fine. But then it it's a bit kind of in contrast to pretty much every other Star Wars film where the droid is there purely for the kind of comedy or straight man kind of mm. angle and things. So yeah, what do you reckon, Johnny, for Solo? Yeah, I, I'm going to slightly disagree here. First controversy of the night. <laughs> I kind of feel like it was a wasted opportunity, actually. Oh, okay. Um, I didn't think it was nearly as fun as it could have been. And I was so excited for this film to come out. And I thought, like, a film about Solo and Chewie, I thought it could be really fun. And I just didn't think it was that fun. I thought it was too serious, and I thought... The, I'm not saying it should be a comedy film, but I just feel that there wasn't enough colour to it in general. And I mean, metaphorically and physically, I thought even the colour scheme at times was way too grey. 
Oh yeah, you, yeah, um, yeah, that's true. And I was like, come on. One part I was like, what is Zack Snyder directing this film? <laughs> um, can, can we have a drink every time Johnny mentions Zack Snyder? <laughs> oh, God, I'm, I'm saying that in a negative. I'm saying that in a negative way. Feel free, way. listeners, to so, join along as well because. That was a negative. Negative or positive? You mentioned Snack Snyder. You mentioned him. I have um, a drink now. Chris, did you say Snack Snyder? Snack Snyder. Um, <laughs> I just you, only said I had dinner as well. And you walk as crisps. You think, he's a, you think he's a snack? Dude? Oh, he's a snack. Oh, he's a snack. Anyway, I think I kind of feel like in that sense it's, it's a disappointment, and I think you're right, Andrew. It, does, it, it is like a it. But what you said is, in some ways, is is a good thing and a bad thing because at the end of the day, it's just a throwaway thing. But I don't think it was intended to be, okay. because they had sequels lined up, they had ideas for sequels lined up, and obviously they never happened. So it was meant to, it was clearly meant to be. He was signed up for like multiple, at least three mm. films. They had him signed up for. Well, they so clearly think, set it up for. A, yeah. The end. So I think. So I think it was going to be more. I think it was meant to be more than just a throwaway movie. And and I, I've never and of all the Star Wars films, that's the only one I've watched where I'd forgotten what happened like a day afterwards. Mm. And and like literally when I re- when we rewatched it, it was almost like I'd never seen it before. There were bits that I remembered, but I thought, well, I watched it in the cinema. I remember coming out enjoying it, but how can I not remember anything that really that happened in it? And and again, I've had that. Whereas it's just there's not much memorable that happens. And my thought, my idea was, is that. It, it's not going maybe not necessarily going to add a lot in t- to it, to the sort of mythos maybe, but it's going to be a fun sort of thrill ride, and I'll come out with a smile on my face, really enjoying it, and maybe having a few quotes that I will say back. And I just didn't have any of that. Not as many prequel memes in that one, is there? Yeah, and I, so I just think in that sense it's kind of a missed opportunity, and I know, I know that I'm, and this is slightly dangerous me saying this, but. Well, it's this dangerous media, so yeah, go ahead. <laughs> but I, I was gonna say, if I compare it to, like, I was gonna say, as you both know, I'm a massive James Gunn Guardians fan. Really? Mm-hmm. And Just a bit. I kind of expected this film. I'm not gonna say like to be like Guardians, but I was expecting it to be flamboyant, flamboyant and fun, yeah. like those films are. Yeah, I get that. And I feel, and I just feel like it's far more serious than it needed to be. And also, even in like. Plot, I feel like it tries to achieve too much backstory of Han, if that makes sense. Too much of Han's story in one film. Whereas if you had three films, then then maybe it could have been just more of like a snapshot, if that makes sense. I don't know. Well, there is, um, there is a chance that it could have been kind of more lighthearted, because as is the case with say the Snyder Cut see I mentioned as well Drake um, <laughs> does that count <laughs> it's um, originally the directors were Phil Lord and Chris Miller who uh, subsequently went on to do um, was it Spider-Verse which is yeah, or at least produce it I think not necessarily direct it um, so they were originally the directors and then they got fired very far into production um, and then Ron Howard got brought in at the last minute to for multiple reshoots so there's always the chance that almost like Justice League that maybe it had a very different feel initially and it got changed into a more darker gritty film maybe it was more lighthearted and you see still you still see a few hints of that scattered throughout and just maybe it's just two conflicting directors kind of changing tones 
And Ron Howard in general is quite, I always thought was quite an odd choice for that film. Mm. In the sense that usually they would go for like young up and coming directors who maybe have some experience in sort of like action slash sci-fi films or something. But like Ron Howard is a guy who like is a really experienced director, but mostly sort of doing sort of dramas or like middle of the road action films, if that makes sense. Um, I thought he was quite a big name to like be brought on as a second tier director in that way. But yeah, no, I I just, my, I, I've, I've actually given it a six. Um, And and actually, and that actually, for me, Lando steals the film. Uh, and actually, if I remember rightly, I remember turning to my girlfriend at the time going, oh, I wish, really wish this was a Lando film. Because <laughs> his bits were the best. And actually, his bits had the tone that I thought the whole film should have had. Mm-hmm. But then maybe it was a blessing in disguise because because Solo didn't do so well. And they struck off many of the other spin-off films and have gone down the route of um, TV series on Disney+. Plus mm. And we're getting a Lando TV series. So we'll get we will get more than perhaps we would have done otherwise so maybe it was True. a blessing in disguise maybe yeah yeah quite possibly right I think it's time to move on to Christian's shirt <laughs> Wednesday, which if that doesn't give you a spoiler for what he thinks of this film then the no. people can't see the shirt though it's in the video well I'm going to tell one. you listen at home that Christian has got a Star Wars Rogue One shirt on it's got some kind of gold embossed lettering um, he's now just stroking oh, no, it's, his it's, chest. It's white, it's white with uh, kind oh, of white. white dots on it that look like they could be dandruff, but I'm pretty sure there's not. Okay, we'll say that's part of the pattern. Um, <laughs> so and your nipples are erect. Christian, Christian I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to save you to a last. Johnny, what do you think of Rogue One? I love Rogue One. I think it's everything that a modern Star Wars film should be. Um, I think its tone is brilliant. It's spot on. And also what's interesting on it with it is is that there's no need for Jedi's in that film. And I kind of feel like with the I know we, I don't want to get too much into the to the new sequels but sometimes they get bogged down in having a Jedi and we must have a Jedi and all that kind of stuff. This does, film doesn't have a Jedi and it doesn't need a Jedi. Um and it has really good characters that are really well defined and multi-dimensional real characters um, and also it's a proper story that adds something it adds it doesn't rehash things it's adding something to the mythos um, and yeah so I really really liked it it's certainly my favourite um, Disney, Disney era Star Wars film and I would say it's actually my favourite newer Star Wars film if from you know, aside from the originals, um, and I've, I've given it a nine. Solid. Well, um, yeah, I'm going to match your nine with a an equally positive nine. Um, Can you I, have a negative nine? <laughs> yeah, no, it's definitely a positive one. Um, it's a nine plus plus. And I'll I'll keep my thoughts short because I can see Christian bouncing in his chair, ready to talk about chomping at the bit. He's quite frankly bouncing right now, with a three-year-old smile on his face. Um, it, yeah, it's it's the perfect. I think that's what the first thing I said. Well, after we watched it, was it's the perfect bridge. Like it just, if you if you had the two trilogies and then you needed something to go in the middle, it's just the best, the best thing they could have done to to set up a new hope. Um, absolutely super. Maybe slightly questionable. I know this has been hashed many a time. Use of CGI for Tarkin and Leia, 
Um, it was definitely more weird with Leia watching it back. Mm -hmm. um, but I think, they, I mean, it looks pretty damn good. It's just, uh, it's just a bit odd, I suppose. Um, but yeah, really good. Uh, love pretty much every character. K2SO is just amazing. Um, Best droid. Yeah, just it's, it's a very, and also it's the kind of story which is quite impressive considering it is purely just bridging a gap. It's it's a such a good standalone story. Just just the if it if it wasn't in the Star Wars universe and you just had those characters and you introduced this whole concept for the first time, I think that that would be a really good just story on its own. Um, which again, not all Star Wars films can say they can do. So yeah, Rogue One is is up there. It's doing pretty well. So Christian, I'm going to release you from your your leash. Human bonds. You, you can now talk away. Calypso away release you from your human bonds. <laughs> well, I'm going to raise you both from a 9 to a 10. This is just... The, the perfect uh, absolutely, film. It is. Uh, I wouldn't say it might my scale, you know, 10 doesn't mean perfect film, but it means just doesn't get any better than this for, uh, no, for me. Um, but it's... Uh, I went as testament to my love of it I saw it eight times in the cinema all in one um, day as well if only <laughs> and pretty much every time it got it, I had tears in my eyes at the end of it um, I and just thought soggy, it just, and soggy trousers and soggy trousers <laughs> I just think it had it just had the perfect mesh it just brings like you say the uh, bridging film between the prequels and the originals I just think it had that perfect combination of, kind of the space opera action of the prequels Com uh, combined with the grittier, darker feel of the um, original f um, trilogy and lots of the special effects. Um, our special effects are just absolutely sublime in it as well. Um, and K2SO, best droid, just absolutely knocks it out of the park. Absolutely hilarious. Every joke, pretty much every joke he um, says hits, hits home. Um, Voice by Voiced by Steve the Pirate from Dodgeball. Oh, Steve the Pirate, exactly, yeah. <laughs> Alan Tudyk. Second time he's played a robot, I think, is it? From iRobot. Um, I think it just... And it does... Um, it has a really diverse cast. It does... It achieves that thing a lot of films are striving to do now and having a really diverse cast to it and but then not feeling forced in any way. It has a, mm. a female lead. Felicity Jones is absolutely superb and her acting is just... Oh, when she... Um, has that message from her dad, Mads Mikkelsen, and she breaks down. That gets me every time. And on that theme, Mads Mikkelsen, as you may learn in subsequent episodes, is a top man crush for me. He was super, absolutely amazing in this as well. Diego Luna as Cassian, Riz Ahmed as Bodhi, Donnie Yen as Chirruts. Just absolutely... Just, mm, I can't express how much I love this film. So, and ben one of the things, Sorry, you go. Ben Mendelsohn as well. Ben Mendelsohn, of course, as as Krennic. Absolutely, he, he does uh, calculating and evil quite quite well. Um, but one of the um, one of the things I hear against this film is that you don't. F some people say they don't feel anything for the for the characters. They don't. They really? they're in the film and they get killed off at the end and they there's no you don't learn. There's no yeah. development. There's, you don't learn about. But you learn. I don't know, learn their entire history, but you learn just enough about them to care about the, their deaths at the end. You learn that about Jin, who spent her life thinking her dad was dead or a defector, and then finds out that he's been working all his life to protect her and to 
um, strike a blow against the Empire and then does her, her final mission is to um, fulfil his wish to bring the plans to the Rebellion. You have Cassian, who is a saboteur, a spy for the Rebellion. He's done some questionable things and knows that he's kind of a certain, has a certain level of evil. He's done, he's assassinated people, he's done things like that. Um, and this is almost like a redemption for all the bad things he's done, like one final act to um, do some he's good a, in the universe. He, he's a gorilla. Hmm? He's a gorilla fighter. Mm, he is, he is. I'm really looking forward to seeing his series as well in, in um, on Disney+. Plus. Um, Bodhi, who has, who's the defecting pilot, who knows that he's done some evil deeds for the Empire, trying to make amends. And uh, Chirrut and Baze, who are both kind of... What are they called? Um, Guardians of the... Guardians of the Wills, that's it, yeah. So they were involved with the Force, not actually Jedi themselves, although it would have been amazing to see uh, Donnie Yen with a lightsaber. <laughs> um, finding a purpose, I haven't their, their kind of purpose stripped from them by the Empire by, you know, destroying the Jedi Order. Having Finding another, a renewed purpose to strike a blow against the Empire as well. And just They've learned just enough about them to care about them. I... I love I love the film. And I hate seeing every each and every character die at the end. And spoiler, Christian. Spoiler. <laughs> I was come on. It's quite obvious that's why. It's funny that that criticism um, you you said that you you hear people say about how kind of obviously they don't feel anything because they're going to die. I remember before the film came out, hearing that and people being like, "Well, what? Like, what's the point? Because we know that they're all going to die, or we don't know any of these people." Mm. Um, but I think I don't think since then I've heard that. So it's interesting you said that. I, I think that oh, the, still one, here, yeah. the the one point that was taken off from me was the master switch. That, that, <laughs> that's what took it down from a ten to a nine. Um, a MacGuffin, a bit of a MacGuffin. Yeah, that. yeah, that, yeah. It just it takes you back to oh yeah, okay. We're now watching some kind mm. of random sci-fi. That's uh, <laughs> Christian. It gained a point for me because it had the augazoid in it. That's true. Yeah, that's true. Augazoid. Yeah, so, should have had a bit of Borneo function playing in the background. <laughs> <laughs> Andrew, what are we talking about? Do you want to explain? I uh, absolutely no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> I, I, like, like most of the time, you two just rehab on about stuff. I, I tend to just smile and nod. And smile away, boys. Just, just try and laugh at the right point. This will be all explained in, the, uh, in a future Peep Show special episode, will we do? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So obviously, the final scene of Rogue One leads us perfectly. Oh, of course. Yeah, yeah just, I was just actually like waiting for one of you to mention that scene because that scene is fucking amazing yeah mm-hmm. not not as good I'm as the scene with Darth Vader and Krennic but um really it, yeah oh I prefer I prefer this oh this that scene. bit just yeah. there's one thing you don't necessarily see in the original films is Darth Vader and the reason why Darth Vader is so feared by everyone yeah. and in that scene you just see why it's like something it's like something from like a World War 2 film and that's mm-hmm. what I like and actually that's a really good thing about Rogue One and I was actually going to say this about about what you said about knowing everyone's going to die in many ways, it feels like a war film, mm-hmm. and yeah, you say, "Oh, what's the point?" Because you know they're going to die. But like nine out of ten war films, you know they're going to die at the end. Yeah. So what's the point? And that's reality. Is that's kind of like what war is. And the other thing I was going to say, again, without trying to get to the new sequels, is is that I think we learn more about those characters in one film than we do in three. Yes, oh, absolutely. The, yeah. in, in the characters in the in the three films that we got. Yeah, and there's quite a few characters in Rogue One. They kind of like Christians is listed, but they um, they 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 do quite a good job of what's there probably like seven or eight main yeah main characters. You bring them in and yeah. they're gone by the end of the film. 
Can I just say just to Ben in terms of that like that that turns into like a a war film at the end of it just like there's space battle there's the battle on the ground and they only it's by the skin of their teeth they manage to succeed in their mission I just want to mention the um, music for this as well I think was it Michael Gee uh, yeah how to pronounce it Giacchino how to pronounce it Giacchino I just think he did superb job mm. of kind of almost kind of replicate or an homage to John Williams's previous scores on Star Wars and just change, changing it up slightly and I just, there's so many tracks from Rogue One that I can remember absolutely and yeah. I actually controversially I'd say I, that his score for this is better than any of the scores for the sequels that's my, my contra- controversial opinion I don't, there's Williams. not many memorable scores from apart from maybe Ray's theme I can't remember many of many of the, the um, pieces of music from that whereas I load I can remember loads from Rogue yeah, One I, I totally agree with you because and the, the other thing is every, a lot of non-William Star Wars stuff so the things for the games and even just traders they put out are they all become very much like modern big hitting trailer kind mm-hmm. of sounds especially in the games they're really like they almost like not Star Wars anymore um, mm-hmm. they kind of lose that Williams completely so I, yeah, I completely agree with you that it, it holds enough of of the core of of John Williams' kind of themes without but but also kind of does new things with it so yeah yeah mm-hmm. really good with without without trying to get too much onto sort of music and scores I think that Michael Giacchini or Gacchini is an expert of paying homage to things if you look at every sort of soundtrack he does pretty much everything like the superhero stuff as well is it's always like a nod to something that's happened in the past mm. like if you listen to his Batman thing it's very much a nod to the Danny Elfman stuff mm-hmm. and he did Spider-Man as well didn't he and that's very much a nod to the older Spider-Man stuff yeah well he um, also did um, he did Up where you you kind of meet new characters and live their whole lives and have them killed off in about seven minutes and you're crying with the end of it so yeah, he's pretty much a mastermind anyway yeah so you know so the final scene of Rogue One leading us nicely into A New Hope oh, Godzilla no um, A New Gosh. Hope Godzilla Christian, vs. Kong. A New Hope. Does new it live hope. up to the hype of Rogue One? <laughs> um, you come in Stewie Griffin is there instead of Darth Vader. Actually, I think we should give um, New Hope its original title. Star Wars. Star Wars. The Star Wars. Let's start at episode four. It's um probably more than any other film because it was the first. It's It's very all-encompassing. It's like, didn't necessarily need a sequel. It it's, it's a very complete film doesn't need anything around it um, but it's it's just it's just, that's just an enjoyable bit of space opera just um, farm boy or like, it was like a space fantasy actually it's probably the, the originals were more of a space fantasy than uh, while the prequels were a space opera mm. um, so you got like the regular farm boy who's whisked off by the wizard um, Obi-Wan Kenobi <laughs> And that the, sounds uh, weird, isn't it? Ben Kenobi yeah. <laughs> um, finds the the, the, rogue, <laughs> the old the old man in the desert. <laughs> the old man in the desert who uh, tells him some, some things, and he comes with them. They find the uh, the rogue Dis- with his disgraced dog. disgraced geography teacher hiding <laughs> in the in the hills. <laughs> they find they find the rogue in the in the dodgy cantina with his dog. Go off to save the princess and strike a blow against the evil dark lord of 
Mordor. Um, no, sorry, the Empire. I we're getting confused um, about our films now. Should we, should we try and keep on Star Wars? <laughs> just to say, just to show the parallels, that it's, it's it does feel very much like a, a fantasy just set in space mm. in terms go. of its structure. But yeah, it's haven't got much to say about New Hope. It's enjoyable. It sets the uh, the tone for the original trilogy. Um, yeah, I'd I would, what would I give it? Um, I give it about. I think I give it a seven. Quite a drop from row one, then. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Interesting. Johnny, what do you think? Um, like I said earlier, I was trying to watch these as if I was watching them at the time. And the effects are incredible for the for 1977. Incredible. The practical effects just... Yeah. Destroy and, the joy. And I was thinking, if I was in the cinema, a kid in the cinema in 1977... I, it would have blown my mind. The whole film would have blown my mind. Mm-hmm. Um, and yet, in so, yet in some ways, as Christian sort of reference, in some ways, it's actually a lot more grounded than the newer films. In some ways, mm-hmm. which in some ways, as a sort of original, makes it work a bit more. Um, but I think it, I think it's a great film. I think, and I think it's a great introduction of that time. I think. I think it's better if you view it through the lenses of that time. I think, as we were saying earlier, if you see it as a sequel, then I think it doesn't work as well. But I think if you if you view it through the lenses of the first Star Wars film, then then I love it. And I love being introduced to, to Han and, and Chewie. And also we get um, Tarkin as well. And in that sense, I really like it. Mm. I, I've given it an eight. I think, as as Christian said, there's not a lot to say about it because it sort of sets up everything, and in the same way, it does feel like a complete film in itself. Um, but yeah, I think I think viewing it from yeah from the perspective I was trying to view it, I, I, I'm happy with an eight. Am I? Um, <laughs> yeah, so I yeah agree. It's a great film in itself, and the one thing I said which. I'm surprised I didn't get mocked mercilessly for when we were watching it, was I just got so many, like, tingles. <laughs> Did you indeed? I'm not, I haven't even got to the bit I was, thought I was going to be laughed at for. Um, a lot You're of, like... Peter Tingle. You're Peter, Peter Tingle. Tingle. Just a lot of... Um, it just felt like, and this say sounds stupid, given that it was the original film, just so much fan service and so much... Because it's just Star Wars, there was just so fans much stuff. Fans, how many fans at that point? Exactly, but just that's the best way I can describe it is like fans service because you're watching it and you're just like, it has everything that you love about Star Wars in it. Mm-hmm. Like there's 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 kind of no point really when you're not when you're kind of just like waiting for it to kind of tick over or tick along or get to a certain point. Like it is just everything is just completely Star Wars, which is um, amazing. And and I and I. Going back to what Johnny was saying about the um, the kind of effects and things, I'm so pleased they've kept some of those effects styles in for things like the Mandalorian, um, because I think it's it, it that pays such a good homage to, and and gives it a really interesting style as well, having that kind of practical effects, um, in your stuff. I hope they keep doing that because I think that that's really cool. Um, so yeah, so uh, yeah, a great film and just it is it is it is Star Wars. 
So there's um, it is Star Wars. Are you sure? If if you it, exactly it is yeah, it is Star Wars. It, it's it's the Star Wars. It is the Star there's, Wars. There's um, there's no. If you're going to get someone to watch one film, I would say. Watch that. I, I think there might be different views that that would be it, <laughs> and you'd do be done. You you, you wouldn't need to. Well, you could watch it afterwards. But <laughs> I, 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 I'm, I, on that, sorry, but on that, and as I said this before we recorded, um, actually, no, I think I said this ages before, is that and Matt, the thing that I don't get, and even trying to get into this into the mindset of watching at the time, is for three years, that was it. That was all mm. of Star Wars. Yeah. And it's, it, I think it's almost impossible for us to like fathom that. Yeah. That we have grown up in a world where Star Wars is a sort of quite expanded thing. And the idea that for three years that was Star Wars. It's hard to imagine, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, completely. And no one knew the big spoiler at the end of five. That's just... <laughs> everyone was speculated. Yeah. Well, I wonder if had, like, the internet and social media been what it was is now, back then, if anyone Wait, would, would have It would have ruined fathomed. it. <laughs> huh? It would have it ruined it. Yeah, so many, true. Imagine all the fan theories as well. I know, yeah. that's what I was saying. Yeah. I wonder if anyone would have imagined that it would be... That spoiler from episode five. The other thing about the originals that I kind of, or every time I get to it, I kind of forget and then re-realise is just how late the Emperor has anything to do with it, or as in you actually see him. Actually appears. Um, it kind of, yeah, in my head, it, he's kind of always there, which I suppose Same he is. In, he is. You know, he's there, but like, um, mm -hmm. it's he amazing how much by talking, and then that's it. That's yeah, it. that's it's it. That's a very classic horror film concept hmm. where there's always a bigger the big, fish <laughs> exactly. but a that but you don't see the big bad until yeah. it's too late absolutely and that's been used in horror films always horror films traditionally and actually one of the criticism of sort of like more modern horror films is that they show you the evil too early hmm. but and even like bond films you know like never really showing you who blowfelt is and stuff like that it's 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 quite a common concept and i think it works quite well actually in the original trilogy yeah but I think I think it's particularly interesting that he's not around for so long, given that you've, at least from our from our point of view, we watched it now, have seen three films of him, Front kind of be be made and be who he is. So mm. you you very much yeah. know he's there. It's no, there's no apprehension that kind of there, that isn't who he is and what's happening. Mm. Um, so I thought it was interesting. So yeah, so in I think just before this, Johnny, you were saying, um, related to my point about just watching one film, you were potentially saying something about. Empire being a candidate for if you were just watching yeah, one film, I, that's what I, you go for. I, I think I think a new hope is in terms of plot. Because I think also it works as just a film. But I think in terms of essence and vibe and feel, Empire is that. For for me, Empire is the quintessential Star Wars film. And and what's interesting is everyone I know who is was old enough to watch the original trilogy has told me that, that they feel the same, that like Empire is the barometer by all things are are judged by mm -hmm. in their Star Wars world. And whether that's just because I'm an old fogey at heart, but like, I just, there's something magical about Empire that just has always struck me when I was a kid. And I kind of expect when I watched, re when I rewatched it the other night, that it was going to let me down because I loved it as a kid and I just thought like, oh, it's just not going to hold up. And... Obviously, sometimes there's like dodgy effects and everything, but you know it's a, a film from the very early '80s. But and I, and I also forgot how much Yoda sounded like 
uh, Kermit the Frog. <laughs> um, I, I didn't actually realise until relatively recently it was the same guy. Um, but really, um, Frank Oz. Yeah, but um, but also, but as I said earlier before we started recording, I think also it benefits as a film from the fact that it has limited setup um, because it very much follows on from a new hope. It doesn't. It doesn't really worry too much with setup, and I often find even sequels often do worry too much about setup. But that it doesn't. It's almost setup is almost implied within the general plot, um, which I which I quite like, and yeah, and I love you know love meeting Yoda, and and also knowing that that would have been people's first meeting of Yoda. I'm not like imagine that. That's pretty crazy, <laughs> um, and yeah, also cool. also the Han and Leia romance I love, um, and Lando as well, and also the twist. Like I kind of feel sorry for it. Like. The twist of the moment because I think it's been over, it's been sort of what's the word saturated a lot as a moment and as a scene, but it still packs a punch. Mm-hmm. And I'm just imagine being in the cinema and seeing that twist. And like, I've, I've heard stories of people peeing their pants in the cinema. When that <laughs> happened. And well, I like Andrew imagine- said, it's just link and link into that, um, the score just as he says. It's spoken, and then the the horns of the orchestra just kick mm. in, and it's just it should, everything coming together to create such a significant moment in film. So, so that's so that's why for me it's the is the ultimate because I just think it has everything. I think, and just in terms of tone, vibe, everything. For me, when I think of Star Wars, that is what I think of is that film. So I've given it. I was somewhere between a nine and a ten, sort of nine and a half, but I'm gonna probably stick with nine, but. I think it is my favourite. Mm-hmm. Interesting. What are you, Christian? It's um, it's what are you saying? Like it's um, it feels like maybe, as is the case with um new um piece uh piece of work or you know creative minds like a book series or a podcast, for example, where you'll be finding your feet in the first film or the first book or the first podcast. And I think that's probably maybe what George Lucas was. He had a vision, he had a very limited budget, he had to work on a shoestring, and created and ended up creating a hugely successful film, which meant that he must probably had the creative freedom, although he didn't direct Empire, to do what he wanted to just make sure, just ensure his vision was um, up there on the screen in as he envisaged it. So, I assume he probably learned a lot from Star Wars, and then he could... And maybe it's tied into why it was such a complete uh, complete film, because he probably didn't know there was going to be a sequel at that point, based on how successful it was. So then when Empire came about, he could just do what he wanted. And you can see that and uh, through the film, and how it kicks off with the... Uh, um, on Hoth with the walkers, which iconic moment when they step onto the scene. Those practical effects are just unreal, even now, and just look so good. Um, and then, you say, introducing Yoda, who'd have thought that he'd become such a beloved character, this weird little green goblin. <laughs> um, and then, like you say, and then a love story, or a budding love story done well. Um, <laughs> Yeah, and also um, it's not half the film. It's not it's half, not the, half film the film. It's just a really dramatic sort of like um, 
Jane Austen style like like dialogue. Mm. It's it's just it's scenes done. here and there spread throughout yeah. the story, but doesn't like and it's part of the plot. It's exactly, yeah. It's the not plot. like yeah. a separate plot on its own. It feeds into the rest of the story yeah. as they're trapped inside the um, the asteroid and then the space lug, and then they go to um, Cloud City with Lando. And like you say, Lando just <laughs> makes such an impression as soon as he arrives, just vying for the attention of Leia between him and Han is just <laughs> brilliant. And then just a proper lightsaber duel at the end, probably the first one that didn't look like two old men sparring with uh, sticks like they were in A New Hope, unfortunately. Um, and just the way that was shot and just the, the dark, the, the set, the darkness, the smoke, and how it's just they move through the underbelly of Cloud City until they get to that bridge at the very end. It's just, yeah. It did a very just a very good job of that film, and I would I gave it a nine. And it just and it just it just sets it just and the cliff and the how it ends with them looking out at that wherever it is a quasar from the side of that um, medical frigate, Leia, Luke, and um, the droids just and the swell of John Williams' score it just perfectly ends the film and just. Makes you really excited. Just imagine how you must have felt at the end of that, waiting for Return of the Jedi, the final film in what? But assume but also, was the final film at that point. But also, poor Han. Also, poor Han. Mm. Spoilers. I know. Just yeah, just and that as well. Just imagine how you must have felt at the end of that, having no idea how that was going to resolve itself, and you had to wait three another three years to find out. <laughs> you were frozen in carbonite for those three years. <laughs> Exactly. Basically. There's no time. Um, yeah, I, I I agree with you both on that. I think the the thing that I think has done really well, which doesn't really happen that much in Star Wars, is having two quite distinctly different storylines happening at the same time, as in within the main characters. So you've there's not often that the main kind of bunch of characters in whatever Star Wars film you're watching are kind of broken up in that way. Um, Apart from potentially in Attack of the Clones when Obi-Wan goes off on his own. Um, Obi-Wan investigates. Yeah, exactly, when he has his little mini-adventure series. Um, so I think that's quite an interesting... It shows you how well... I think it was needed for Luke to be able to kind of... To get, his, to, get to where he needs to get to, obviously. Um, but it's, it's amazing how they can flip between the two main storylines, which again, not all Star Wars films don't do great. Um... And still make them both, them both interesting and compelling, and also them kind of make a way for them to all come back together. Um, that's that's the bit when I watched it this time. I was like, oh yeah, I can really appreciate that. Appreciate that now. So yeah, um, I gave it a an eight. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I maybe wasn't as enamoured with it as you two. I I prefer a new hope. I oh really? Mm-hmm. Um, because I think it just works, just on its own. And I, and I don't think that Empire, because mainly just because of the kind of the, the 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 ending of it, obviously it kind of makes you want more. Um, but yeah, I, I not as I mean, it's still great. I'm just not as keen on it as mm-hmm. I'm on you hope. But yeah. So moving on to the final topic of this evening, Jedi, Christian, Return of the Jedi. What happens to Han? What happens to Han is he gets spoilers put on display. In he gets some, Shombraid. 
in Jabba's yeah. palace. Chubby Slug's palace. Jabba Joe. Brought there by Boba Fett, which we didn't mention in Empire. Is yet another great moment yeah. of Empire. Seeing Boba Fett, that, that Mandalorian armor for the first time. Arguably the greatest armor in pop culture. But, um, yeah, I, I, 9.5 for Return of the Jedi for me. Oof. I adore. Up until, up until Rogue One, it was my favorite Star Wars film. I just I love the start. I love the whole showdown with Jabba. Even though we were discussing earlier how it doesn't necessarily impact the plot all that much, it's just them saving Han. But then feeding into the subsequent battle on Endor and above Endor, that space battle which was unreal as well, just compared to the one in New Hope, just took it to another level. Admiral Akbar, of course, it's a trap. It's a trap! And... And I know some people aren't fan of, are fond of the Ewoks, but I don't mind them too much. Um, not too irritating overall. Um, and it's I love the Ewoks. Yeah, it's hard not to love them. They are adorable. Although somehow you got to wonder how a bow and arrow is manages manages to uh, pierce uh, stormtrooper armor. But then, by the looks of it, anything can pierce stormtrooper armor. And that and the. Apart from potentially the Qui-Gon, Obi-Wan, Darth Maul fight in Phantom Menace, the battle between Darth Vader and Vader, Darth, no, Darth, Darth Vader and Vader, Darth Vader <laughs> Luke at the end, it's a bit meta, isn't it? <laughs> is just absolutely sublime and it's just full of emotion. And again, once again, John Williams' score as they come to the end of that fight and just the colour of the scene and... Um, Luke's new green lightsaber, just that was just new for that. For that, we take it as part and parcel of Star Wars now, but just a green lightsaber where we'd already seen red and blue up until that point. It must have just been quite stunning to see. Yeah, it's and then obviously the Emperor, superb, just the big bad of the whole thing. And he dies and stays dead forever. Yes, and that's <laughs> never comes back, never comes back. That is him, dead. Did. It's like how Boba Fett like falls in the Sarlacc pit and he never reappears again either. Does he not? <laughs> Spoilers! Who wants to go next? Johnny, go for it. Yeah, um, I enjoyed it. I, I, I don't think it's quite as fun as Empire. Um, so I didn't like it as much as Empire, but I still really, really like it. Um, for much of the re- many of the reasons that Christians referenced I think it really reaches a good sort of crescendo I should say and yeah and I, and I, the sort of final bit of it is, is just really good and really sort of hitting and also like the twist again there's, there's a twist in that film as well you know about um, Luke and Leia being uh, siblings um, can we just say the fact that we've kind of given every other spoiler uh, are we going to say the actual spot that we keep referencing? We've made it. Well, which one, which one have we not said? Which which one are we talking about? Now? The, the big one, the episode five. One. I, th- I think we'll leave it. We're just in just in case. We'll leave that one. One listener, one come along, and we can't. We Luke and Leia are siblings, but everything. <laughs> <laughs> no, but that okay. But that's but again, that's a that's a twist that we haven't even mentioned yet, and mm-hmm. we haven't even referenced that twist. And again, 
we now take it as thing because we know it but like and again that's another thing sitting in the cinema three years after the last major plot twist <laughs> major plot twist that like made you pee your pants you've three, now got another one three years after they'd seen uh, Luke and Leia make out as well yeah first first like character she kisses I wonder how many people were hoping that they'd end up together <laughs> yeah do you think there was like team Luke and team Han and then <laughs> yes and then, and then team Luke just like started burning buildings down afterwards <laughs> unless unless they were from Alabama in which case they thought it was alright uh, <laughs> um, but um, yeah I can't remember what I was going to say but yeah I, I, that, and that's a great twist it's a great moment um, and yeah I think it's a great film um, I'm going to give it an 8 for me it's not quite as good as as Empire but it's still really really enjoyable and I think it's a really fitting end to the original trilogy Andrew super um, I mean I love Football. Ewoks so that's my main takeaway from <laughs> oh, actually, you too resemble I, an Ewok thank you very much so- yeah, for, can for I say listeners I'm very the- short and look a bit like a teddy bear can I, can I say something about the Ewoks Go for two it. things yeah. first of all sometimes I like to annoy my mum by liking her to an Ewok second of all um, I remember reading ages and ages ago that George Lucas sort of intended the Ewoks to be sort of like a metaphor for the Viet Cong. Yes. Um, when he that. was responding to the criticism about how they could, yeah, so, you know, hiding in the forest with their spears and shit. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Sorry. Overthrowing an empire. Yeah. Mm, absolutely. I think, yeah, love Ewoks. I think it's a testament to how good the film is that, well, especially since Disney had taken over, um, just how much of the content is focused on what happens immediately after um, Jedi. I think that's, yeah, pretty good. They managed to kind of obviously resolve something, but yet people still want more. They want to know what happens because of obviously it can never actually be resolved in a, there'll always be problems with any system. So yeah, I think, I think Jedi's, Really, really good. I think it's just a very good, a very good conclusion, whilst also leaving room open for whatever else may or may not happen in the future as a result of what's happened. Um, yeah, Luke is completes his three whole films of education, which feels very believable, and character development. Which exactly. Disney doesn't know what. Well, that's what, what I mean. Is in they that he he and he wears he, black at the end. He, he goes through f- three <laughs> films and by the end you th- feel like he's kind of earned where he's at mm-hmm. rather than picking up a lightsaber. I don't know. He could have quite easily picked up the lightsaber on the Falcon and been like an absolute pro and a genius. Yes. Um, it would have been very easy because... But no, he we, failed we didn't know and what, he failed yeah. and he failed and he failed. Because we didn't know what Jedis were like. It would have been very easy mm. to just show him being a really, really good Jedi. Um, mm. But yet they waited until he'd had three films of kind of not really being in control of being a Jedi. Or being, um, then even it wasn't as when he came to the end of his journey. It wasn't because he was overly powerful that he that succeeded. He okay, he managed to manages to um, cut Darth Vader's hand off, but it's then in throwing down his weapon, yeah, and then convincing his dad of that. Absolutely, and that, that, that's what makes it the kind that's of op- it. opera. Shit. You have to cut that bit out. Cut yeah, that bit out. We, we should definitely have done a one version that was like redacted with all the spoilers taken out. <laughs> um, yeah, no, it, 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 that, that, that just kind of makes it into the kind of op- space mm-hmm. opera uh, like family moment. Um, there's, there's a lot of family going on in these films, isn't there? Probably mm-hmm. more than it's you kind of realise until you actually get into it a bit more. Um, which is... But I, l- I love the... Um, 
that thing I saw someone say about how um I guess it must must have been planned that how Luke is wearing black mm. for the vast majority of this film. So subconsciously you're thinking, is he gonna kind of veer towards the dark side and then yeah. once it gets to the end like a, a small part of it falls open and you see that it was white underneath all the time. So he was never he was always the good person. He was never gonna Yeah. Absolutely. too much to the darkness absolutely go for it Johnny That's... <laughs> uh, cool. we're in an era where we talk about a lack of sort of female characters in films can we also just talk about how in Leia there is a awesome three dimensional heroic female character Mm-hmm. Who plays a massive part in those three films? Absolutely, yeah. No, she's and um, she's inspiring, and she's a, and she's not just a female character that's just thrown in. She is like integral to the whole thing. And she's, she's fundamental, incredible. and yeah. she's a leader, and she, she she's as fundamental yeah. as any of the other main characters. Isn't she like they they you don't even doesn't really matter that she's a woman or that Luke is a man or that Han is a man. Like they're well, the Chewie's a Wookie. Exactly, they they just <laughs> are the characters. And they could quite easily be the other way around and it would still work. Mm-hmm. I think. You, know the, you know, the irony is, you know, earlier I was talking about Phantom Menace and like Watto and all that kind of stuff. You would imagine that there'd be like, if there's that in that film, there'd be more of that kind of stuff in the early films. But I didn't like really notice any of that kind of stuff. No. In the, in the original trilogy, which is really interesting. I think perhaps maybe in the prequels they were searching for new ways to kind of show off different characters and maybe give you very quickly a kind of a flavour of who that character was and so they maybe relied a bit like more on uh, prejudice or, yeah, or kind of stereotypes. Yeah. Well, so um, if you think about it, there's far fewer non-humans in the originals, if you really think yeah. about it. The vast majority, there's, apart from obviously Chewie. At least not ones you any... actually interact with. Yeah. You yeah, kind of see them in the canteen or, like or yeah. character. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. Well, they don't have comical Chinese accents or no. <laughs> Jew- yeah. like hook noses. Yeah, true. So yeah, so for Jedi, I gave it a an eight, and then I have got one more question for you quickly because we have spent a lot of time talking about Star Wars tonight. We've gone through we all of the films that exist in Star Wars. <laughs> we haven't left any of them out. So my question for you is: if you have to name one thing that you're excited about going forward with Star Wars, what would that one thing be? I guess the hoping that some of these TV series that are scheduled are going to be well done and given the chance to they're given to good writers and they're given a chance to unfold and build and we grow accustomed to the characters and we get to care for them which is something obviously lacked in the sequel trilogy yeah so it's just I felt that Star Wars had a bit of a grim future once the sequels came out, but The Mandalorian has given it, and, and The Clone Wars, Season 7 as well, have uh, given it another shot of adrenaline, another shot of life, and I'm hoping they can build on that rather than letting it, letting it fade away again. This is the way. This is the way. Tony, what about you? Yeah, I, I, I very much agree with Christian. I think we'll go on to Mandalorian in, an, in another episode, but I feel... The Mandalorian is the best thing to happen to Star Wars for a long time. In that, obviously, Rogue One was an amazing film, but it kind of came in the middle of their sort of ideas, if that makes sense, in, in the middle of a strategy they'd already laid out. Where sort of Mandalorian has come in a time where they are very much a crossroads. 
and I'm hoping that it's set a path it seems to have set a path where they now are sort of taking their time but also giving giving certain creatives more power to to set the story that they want to in terms of sort of specific things I'm we're talking about Lando earlier I'd love to see a Lando series um and I really hope it, I, 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 I don't, is it, is it meant to be Donald Glover? Or yeah, is it gonna, I think, yeah, I think it is. Because I really hope it is. I hope it's not like a, another recast or something, but like, <laughs> if it's Donald Glover, I will, cannot wait to see that. Um, I would love that because I love him as a character. I think there's so much potential there to explore him. And I really hope, I really hope it is a fun sort of thrill ride of a sort of series, that kind of thing. But just generally, like, I just, the great thing about series in Mandalorian as well, they can be a bit slower. And you can explore things in more detail. And it, there's no excuse for characters to be too bloody mentioned in a series. Because you've got so much more time to explore characters. Uh, so, so yeah. So I can't wait for any of the series, really. I'm, I'm far more excited for series than I am for films. It'd be interesting to see if, like, you've had the... You might see a lot of the kind of seedy underbelly of various you know, planets through the, on the, uh, the Lando series. We see... Like more cantinas, more gambling, more you know this this level of Star Wars we haven't really seen explored all that much. That would be that would be really cool if they did it like that. And also, that's part of like Lando, isn't it? That he sort of can be a bit of an anti-hero and yeah. a Lothario and a rogue. So it kind of works in that sense. And, and you, probably Andrew? from what you were saying earlier, Johnny, kind of just more fun basically in the TV shows. Like yeah, in contrast to Solo, to just give more life and. Onto it. If it's got, it's, it's if it's. Uh, I'll just quickly say about that's giving lots of, like you say, more power to people like John Favreau and Dave Filoni. Dave Filoni, pretty much, is the protege of George Lucas. He is the the man that it's clear all the fans adore at this point because he's created well, everything that he's created has been well received, has been beloved. So putting him front and center. As the kind of the creative mind behind it, all few subsequent Star Wars things, I think, is the best course because he knows Star Wars inside out. He knows what the fans want. So yeah, go with yeah. him, Disney, please. Absolutely. On that point, it's interesting, and it's very. This is a, definitely a bigger topic than we have any sort of time for now. But um, we are obviously talking about this from the perspective of three people that are very invested in Star Wars and kind of spent a lot of time interacting with it and i wonder if i wonder if our views would be shared by people who just kind of consume star wars just in the general films when they come out and just know of it i wonder if i wonder if we are if we sometimes forget the fact that we are so invested in it and like even the fact we know who's i don't know who's taking charge and direction of each thing um each film um that's just an interesting thought but probably for another time i reckon um yeah so yeah so my my thing I'm most looking forward to, so as, as I always like to refer to myself as the Star Wars EU correspondent, um, I, I've i been really enjoying the High Republic stuff, which obviously at the moment is all just books. Oh, I thought comics. you meant the European Union. <laughs> I was really confused. Oh, I'm very sorry. No, the Expanded Universe. Expanded like, is, there universe. Like a, is there like a Greek version or like I Greek spin-off or something? I, I do love the Greek versions of Star Wars. They're great, but I mean, there's only Sean so many times you can watch it. Sith Lord. Exactly. <laughs> um, I think Sean called Junker is a Sith Lord. I feel like he's more like Tarkin, but <laughs> I can imagine uh, Macron as Obi Wan. Oh no, no, no! 
Or did she charismatic one? Of uh, Boris's charger. <laughs> um, but yeah, so the High Republic, which is, in case any listeners aren't aware, is the set set kind of a long time before even the, the prequels in the good old Republic era. Um, like Two hundred years before, isn't it? I think. I think a bit longer than that, but yeah, it's it's quite a it's quite a stretch, um, and it's obviously given Disney a license to kind of create something really really new and fresh that has no real tie-in or similarity to the Star Wars you know other than the maybe general concepts of Jedi and maybe some of the locations mm-hmm. you've been to um, and so far the writing has been really good I found in the books I know there's been some issues with what people have said or kind of reading it but um, I've, I've really liked it I think they've, they've done a really good job of setting a new a new stage which will then go on to be at some point the kind of the the future films and the future TV shows and a whole new era of Star Wars that, that younger people will We'll, we'll experience for the first time in a few years' time. So, um, yeah, a new I'm, I'm, era of Star Wars. Exactly. So I'm, I'm really excited about that. I think I think they've set up really well, and if they can, if they can do something that doesn't rely on fan service and doesn't rely on kind of preconceived ideas in Star Wars, then they'll be yep. onto a they'll be onto a winner. They can use obviously they have to use the setting. They have to they can't do something completely. They can't just suddenly kind of invent new Jedi powers or anything crazy like when it suits them. But um, at the end of the day, what we what we um, Spider Man turns up on Endor, <laughs> ultimate crossover. But it's what I know. Some of the defenders, people, defenders of like the sequels, were saying, "Oh, it's not what you wanted, therefore you don't like it." Is that what we want? Is well-written stories, well-written characters, diverse, interesting, developed characters who have to struggle and go through an arc. Interesting settings, interesting stories, different to the ones we've already had before, with interesting twists. It's impossible. It's in, you know you don't have to no, not subverting expectations for the sake of subverting expectations. Is that all we want? Is good stories, good characters. That's all we're asking for. So, and this has not necessarily necessarily been something we've had from the sequel so far. And no milking. And no bloody milking. No milking. I also wonder, based on that, just going back to this idea of the new kind of setup with the High Republic is that it'll be the first time when the, the setup has come from books first. And so I wonder how that's going to interact because obviously normally books and books and comics and things and games are kind of filling in the gaps and really I was just there just to kind of again give you more like like I said solo was more just flavour text and more idea. Yeah. And this time it will be the opposite way around where the books and the comics and everything will be leading things up and then the films will have to either adjust to that I'm not quite sure how they're going to do it but it's going to be interesting because obviously they're going to have to make the films appeal to uh, the general person that won't have seen won't have known everything mm-hmm. that's happened in the books um, so I think that could be quite interesting but it's mm-hmm. it's good it's good to have a different maybe a different perspective on it um, for a change so yeah so that's my, that's my thought on that also on that though like on the sort of written content and literature inspiring a new wave of films I know we're going to get onto the new sequels in another episode, but one of the one of the big criticisms of the sequels is the new sequels is, obviously, sorry, of the sequels is like sort of cannibalization um, and repeating stories, and the idea of new content and new sort of literature is that that prevents that. Mm-hmm. Mm. So they you talk about the books coming first, like they had the EU, not the. Not the uh, European Union. They had the expanded universe 
hundreds of books that they could have drawn upon. Mm. I won't discuss, I'll discuss. I don't I haven't read many of them, and but I know a few of the storylines, and I'll mention them maybe in the sequel episode we do and say what where they could have gone with the sequels. But they had the option there, and they had they were loved. Some of those books were really loved, and they were interesting and they were different, but they didn't go with that. They went with the, something new and something less interesting. Absolutely. So yeah, so that's what we're excited for going forward, I guess. Mm-hmm. Is, isn't it just amazing yeah. that we're living in a time where we can look back at Star Wars and also look forward? Yep, that's true. Pretty cool. Time is not linear, we just perceive it that way. <laughs> exactly, a long time ago. <laughs> a galaxy far, far away. Can well, I just say, I'll be, li- be trying to use that Terminator quote in every single episode we have. <laughs> Go for it. Although if you watch Star Wars Rebels, I think time travel is possible in Star Wars, so... We could we go? We could go there. Yeah, we definitely have some rebels and Christian. Planes. Christian, where we're going, we don't need roads. <laughs> need the glasses when you do that. Put them down. I don't have my glasses. So <laughs> I need to ask Fran where they are. But yeah. Awesome. Any final thoughts? Anything Star Wars? No. Star Wars is sick. Peace out. Peace out. There you go. The man himself, Christian Dibman, has spoken. Um, yeah, I have spoken. Thank you very much for joining us on this uh, maiden voyage of a podcast. It's been been a bit longer than we expected, but uh, the maybe ju- fourth episode. May the fourth zero. be with you. Maybe Johnny will edit some of the bad stuff out. Maybe he won't. You'll have to. Well, I suppose you already know. But at this point, if you listen to this long, um, you're either six hours into it or you're not. <laughs> <laughs> and the Snyder sun- cut. Snyder cut. <laughs> <laughs> Take a drink, everyone. Um, so yeah, so we will be back we should, next we should, week. We should have it in chapters, like the Snyder Cut. Like this, okay, we, we, you can you can do that, Johnny. We'll uh, we'll break we'll it up. So we will be back next Snyder week. Protégé. We'll be back next week with we're not quite sure what something. yet, but it'll be something good. And hopefully by next week we'll know what's happening the week after. And we'll have a whole. Can we tell our listeners we're going we're going to decide right now after we've after we've recorded? I think that when we're recording, I think we're literally going to do it on the spot. Yeah, we will literally right. we will end this conversation and then we will start a new one not recorded and we will discuss what it's going to be we've got if i mean if you've if you've listened to the trailer you already have some idea of the kind of things we, we might be, be listening to exactly it's gonna be, it it's gonna be something from there it might be it might not be there's there's a there's a sheet somewhere locked deep it could down be in me the basement talking about my funko pops but it probably won't be it probably won't be so um yeah more nerdy goodness coming next week on the nerd cut thank you very much for listening and goodbye bye bye see you